Welcome back to Astrology and You. I'm Maxine. And I'm Alice. And today we're going to be talking all about eclipses since eclipse season is kicking off this week. Um, So we're going to be going into the upcoming lunar eclipse in Sagittarius and then the following solar eclipse in Gemini, um, kind of getting into specifics of those. But we're also going to cover what eclipses mean in general and what you can expect to get out of them, like what major life events might happen, um, depending on where they might be in your chart. Mm-hmm. And also, if you want to dive deeper into what these specific eclipses mean for you and what changes you can expect specific to your birth chart in more detail, Alice and I have created an eclipse workshop for you to learn more in depth. So you can get the workshop with the link in the show notes when you become a member on Patreon. And then we'll also be doing a live separate Q&A later this month. Yeah, and that workshop could be really helpful because learning where the eclipses are following in your specific chart, the eclipses are going to be in that part of your chart for about a year and a half um, because they stay in the same two signs for that long. Um, and that really shows like what the major themes are in your life for the year, what you can expect to have undergo the most like transition and change. Like when I'm giving readings for people, one of the first things I always notice, like where are the eclipses happening in that person's chart? Because that's showing like where a huge emphasis for the year is on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like really big transition periods or just upheaval in your life, like what lessons to expect. Mm -hmm. But yeah, so let's first get into the transits for the week ahead and address the specific lunar eclipse in Sagittarius that's going to be the most immediate. Yes, I'm so excited for this in my seventh house. So looking forward to it. Um, Oh my God. And this is actually just, if you're listening later, this is the week of May 23rd. So we're going to get into just that major event and then get into eclipses. Yeah, so on May 26th, which is Wednesday of this week, there's going to be a lunar eclipse at five degrees of Sagittarius. This is kind of the major event that's happening this week. I don't think another, any other like huge significant transits are going on. So we're just going to focus on that. Um, but this lunar eclipse in Sag is really kicking off eclipse season. It's going to be followed by a solar eclipse in Gemini on June 10th. Um, that's still a couple weeks off though. Um, what and do you like, go yeah, on? I was just going to say also, like if you're listening and you don't know like what it, how significant an eclipse is, it does happen only once every about six months. So that's why it's so significant. It's not just that it's a full moon that happens every month. It's really significant for that reason. That's a really good point. Like the, we haven't had an eclipse since December 14th, 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, at the end of November and middle of December, there were those two Gemini and then a Sagittarius solar eclipse at that time. So we really haven't had anything since November, December of last year. Yeah, and I feel like as a Gemini rising or a lot of Sag risings too have been feeling this, like kind of this energy of things coming up to release or kind of feeling even lethargic before an eclipse or, you know, so if you're feeling those heavier feelings that you just can't shake off right now leading up to the eclipse this is probably why. So that can kind of be reassuring that it's with the eclipses, it brings like new energy. 
Yeah. And because this one that's happening this week is a lunar eclipse that tends to like bring up really powerful realizations. Maybe you want to release something in your life or like finally take a risk and like do something you've been putting off for a while. Like maybe it's time to quit your job or it's time to end that relationship. (laughs) Um, I just feel like the lunar eclipse tends to bring up stuff very quickly. Whereas like solar eclipse, which we'll get into in a sec, um, tend to just be like, I don't know, you're not seeing stuff immediately, but you know there's a new start coming. Yes, and I love what you said about taking a risk because that basically wherever the eclipse happens, the sign that it's located in, that will be felt by everyone to varying degrees. And so taking a risk, things like maybe feeling more willing to act on things that you've been putting off or being more inspired, more motivated. So again, like if you haven't been feeling motivated, maybe at the lunar eclipse this Wednesday, you'll just feel like you're actually making realizations like Alice said, or seeing things more clearly and knowing your next step. Yeah. And especially because this particular lunar eclipse is in Sagittarius, if you have a lot of Sagittarius prominent in your chart, so that would mean like Sag rising, Sag sun or Sag moon, or maybe possibly like Sagittarius, Venus, Mars, like a ton of inner planets in Sagittarius, you're obviously going to feel this eclipse more powerfully than maybe someone that doesn't have any Sagittarius planets or like angles in their chart. Yes. And other things to note too, like wherever Sagittarius is, the house that it falls in, that area of your life might just, maybe you're believing in yourself more or feeling more optimistic about it too, because those are big Sag- Sagittarius vibes. Yeah. So that's always important to look at is like what house on what house cusp is Sagittarius in your chart? Cause that's really the area of life where you're getting those realizations. Yes. And I love that for Sagittarius, the ruler of this eclipse will be Jupiter because Jupiter like is just such a benevolent planet and so optimistic and so visionary. So I feel like it's a really positive influence for everyone more broadly. And Jupiter's just is finally in a sign that it rules. So like we have (laughs) the ruling planet of the eclipse, Jupiter, ruling Sag, also in its other sign that it rules, Pisces right now. So it's like that ruler of the eclipse is super powerful. So I feel like it'll just have a way more positive energy than maybe the eclipses we had been seeing in 2020 and 2019. Because those were all in aspect to like Saturn and Pluto and they were in Capricorn, like super like tough lessons maybe and this one I just feel like is more happy and optimistic oh I agree and there's also that loose square too of Jupiter to the lunar eclipse yeah because this lunar eclipse in Sag is at five degrees of Sag it's making a loose square to Jupiter which is now at zero degrees of Pisces so double kind of Jupiter influence um really good for just seeing things with like half glass half full mentality And kind of like being more hopeful and optimistic about any changes you are wanting to make in your life. Yeah, I like that a lot. And what an awesome way to like lead into spring summer. Yeah, exactly. I'm excited. Um, So let's actually rewind a little. We've talked specifically about what this upcoming one in Sagittarius will look like. But for those who aren't familiar with like eclipses and how they're different from maybe a regular new moon, full moon. Let's get into like, what is, what is an eclipse? 
Yes. Okay. So whenever there is an eclipse, it happens, like we said, once every six months thereabout, and they usually come in pairs. Um, So whenever there's a lunar eclipse, it'll be followed by a solar eclipse or vice versa. And it's basically a solar eclipse is like a supercharged new moon, whereas the lunar eclipse that we're having this week is a supercharged full moon. And the way you can identify like when a new moon or a full moon is going to be a solar eclipse or a lunar eclipse is by seeing if the sun and moon are linked up with the north node and the south node. So for instance, like this upcoming lunar eclipse, we have the nodes currently transiting through Sagittarius and Gemini. Um, So at this lunar eclipse in Sag, the sun is currently in Gemini. It'll be Gemini season by May 26. And the moon is opposite in Sagittarius, right falling within I think it's like 15 or 18 degrees of the south node in Sagittarius. It has to be like within a certain degree of that, of that nodal transit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so like, just if you're wondering, like, what are the nodes? I feel like we get asked this a lot. Um, The nodes aren't like a specific physical object. Like it's not a planet up in space. It's like a point. um, It's a significant point in space, basically of two ecliptics. So just to keep in mind that it's not like a physical thing. It's just a sensitive point in space. Yeah. And so, yeah, basically just to like hit it home again, the sun and moon have to be aligned with that point, which is seen by the upside down and right side up horseshoe symbols in the chart. Um, Mm -hmm. Also to note the nodes move backwards. So, You'll see with eclipses, like we came from 2020 and 2019, they were in Cancer and Capricorn. The North Node was in Cancer, South Node was in Capricorn. They then moved backward to Gemini being the North Node and Sagittarius being the South Node. So you'll see in the chart, like nodes are always going to be like retrograde. That's not like just specifically for you. They just always move backward through the signs. Yeah, that's a good point to bring up. So if you see that it's retrograde in your chart, like in your birth chart, for example, because everyone has the nodes in their birth chart too, that is not specific to you. Yeah, exactly. And also the nodes will spend about a year and a half to two years transiting through two groups of signs. So if we go back, like they've been in Gemini and Sagittarius since I think it was beginning of April. It was either end of March or beginning of April, um, 2020. And they won't leave Gemini Sagittarius until the very beginning of 2022. Yeah. So the nodes, they actually move 19 degrees each year through whatever sign and house they are in. I love that. Um, yeah. And so we mentioned what the difference between a lunar eclipse and a solar eclipse is. Um, And I feel like even just to touch on, because we talked about like the lunar eclipse that's this week, that is all about reflecting, getting clarity, releasing something, sudden realizations, whereas the solar eclipse, it's kind of like you're releasing so that way you can start fresh with that solar eclipse that happens following it this, this time around. Yeah, like think of it, it can be thought of in terms of like full moon, new moon too. Mm -hmm. So like the lunar eclipse, time for realization, letting go, having like 
more like scene changes happen in your life. Whereas a solar eclipse is like brand new beginning, may not know exactly what's coming next, but knowing that a new direction needs to be like gone in, but not fully seeing the results of that yet. Whereas like lunar eclipse, the results are kind of like almost immediate. Oh, I love that perspective. Yeah. And like that just reminded me of having that trust with a new moon of like, if you have an idea going for it and putting in the work and then you will see the results of that down the line, but you really have to trust in what, what's coming up for you. Yeah. So kind of like, so the May 26th lunar eclipse in Sag, just to get more specific for what's happening now, Mm -hmm. that's the time of release, seeing progress, seeing results. And then we move on two weeks from that, the June 10th solar eclipse in Gemini, that will be about like, you've done your releasing, you've realized what needs to be changed. Now it's time to like go into something new and have a new start. Right. And in like a new burst of energy. And I feel like just to differentiate it from a regular full and new moon, which happens about every month, like every 30 days or so, the eclipses, they that energy carries on for the next six months. So we'll be feeling this up until the new onset of eclipses in November, December. Yeah. And I know there's like debate along... I know there's debate in like the astrology community about like how long you feel the energy of lunar and solar eclipses. Mm -hmm. Like in my personal experience, it tends to just set like a refresh of energy for the six months leading up to the next eclipse cycle. So you can see, maybe just notice when these eclipses happen, how the next six months are a little different than how December, 2020 to May of 2021 have been like that was one cycle now we're entering into a new cycle leading up to November December of this year exactly so just I I do tend to note though if an eclipse does fall on an angle in your birth chart or a planet then those themes of that eclipse might linger longer Mm -hmm. yeah and for everyone the fact that they're in Gemini and Sagittarius right now and like like we said they spend about a year and a half to two years in each sign so they're going to highlight these two houses in your chart that are Gemini and Sagittarius for about a year and a half to two years um so if you look at your birth chart and you're like okay this house is Gemini this house is Sagittarius I don't have either of those planets in my chart um but my fifth house is Sagittarius. My 11th house is Gemini. So the fifth and the 11th and themes pertaining to both of those get current, get constantly brought up for about a year and a half to two year period. Yes. And so for me, they're in my first and seventh house because I'm a Gemini rising. If you're a Gemini rising or a Sagittarius rising, that also applies to you. And I feel like Alice I feel like you'd agree too, but whenever the eclipses hit your first and seventh, because your first house is the most sensitive to transits, you always feel that really strongly. I would say when they're in angular houses, so first and seventh and 10th and fourth, those ones are probably going to be like the most like insanely felt. Yeah. So if you're also a Pisces or Virgo rising. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's like all the mutable rising signs right now are really feeling like eclipse strongly. So Alice, what have you been feeling personally since it did show up in your fifth and 11th house? And this is the last um, Gemini eclipse. So maybe like some more realizations than even back in December. 
Yeah, so I felt leading up to that November 30th, first Gemini lunar eclipse, um, since Gemini is my 11th house of like groups, friendships, um, getting involved in community. I definitely noticed like having to like let go of a lot of friends. Um, I had a lot of realizations of like, these people aren't really like what I'm about anymore. Like I meet up with them. We don't really have a lot to talk about. I don't find that they're really, they understand who I've, the person I've grown into recently. Um, so kind of being emotional about like, I need new friends. And I feel like with this, that part of it's done. Like I've had friends move away. I've just had other people I've realized I don't want in my life anymore so much. Um, I feel like with the solar eclipse on June 10th in Gemini, that will finally bring like new friends in. Whereas Mm -hmm. it's been about letting go recently. I just want to like have a new start and actually get started on like making new friends and making a new community. Oh, I love that. Alice, I just realized as you were saying that, that makes so much sense because of the Sagittarius. Like as you were saying that, you were mentioning like people who, because I feel like you've grown so much in your beliefs and everything. And so now these eclipses with Sagittarius being about beliefs and like your ideals and values, kind of like finding people who align more with you on those like big themes in your life. Yeah. And then on the flip side of that, with that... um I guess there was a lunar eclipse in Sagittarius on June 5th, 2020, and then a solar eclipse in Sagittarius on December 14th, 2020. I noticed after that solar eclipse in the fifth house, I mean, the fifth house pertains to creativity, romance, really like building confidence in yourself. I I started like making way more videos on Instagram, just like not caring about what others thought of like with the content I'm producing so much. It's more just like, I want to put myself out there more. Mm. And then also new romance in my life, like a new relationship. So I also feel in addition to other relationship transits that were happening, like we talked about, um, those eclipses in the fifth house furthermore triggered like romance, love, affection coming into my life. Oh yeah, I love that. And like maybe letting go of blocks that have been coming up in those areas, like you just said. Um, and mm-hmm. also like authenticity. I feel like I've noticed even when you like just being so much more yourself, no matter like who is listening, like you mentioned. Yeah. What have you, I mean, I feel like that's similar in a way, like a fifth house eclipse is kind of similar to a first house eclipse where it's very much about like building confidence and self-esteem. What have you noticed with the first house Gemini rising eclipses and then the seventh Sag? Yeah. I mean, as you said that, I totally identified with that. I definitely, I think it's because I just have so much in my birth chart that is private, like with my Scorpio mood and like so much in my 12th house that's all hidden I feel like this eclipse has been so powerful these eclipses in my first house because it's like okay I want to get myself out there more I want to believe in myself more and be more confident and like really share who I am at a deeper level like rather than kind of holding back just being like okay this is who I am letting go of people pleasing has been a huge theme um and yeah, and just just really allowing myself to be more vulnerable for sure. Mm-hmm. What have you noticed with seventh house? I guess like you formed part, there was a solar eclipse in your seventh house. And right after that, we like went into like a formal par- podcast partnership. Yeah, true. <laughs> That's a perfect mm-hmm. example. Um, yeah, so definitely 
with regard to our podcast. Like I feel like that flowed so easily. And it was also like with the eclipses kind of something that has been coming like a long time coming because we have like talked about doing this for a while. And then it was just like, yeah, this makes sense. We need to do it. Um, And it was also because it was in Sagittarius, we share such similar beliefs and all of that. So I feel like it was really aligned. Whereas if there wasn't that supportive energy, maybe it wouldn't have been as much. Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. And then also just in my own relationship with Nick, I feel like, I don't know, I feel like we've always been like very committed and stuff, but definitely just even more so. I feel like just more... um, Mm-hmm. I don't know, just more a lot, a lot of being together, especially I guess for everyone who's in a partnership right now. Though that's probably true with having to add quarantined and a lot being brought up this past year for sure. I feel like also you're like setting off like a new chapter of your relationship because like you moved to a new city where none of you know anyone, so it's like you're relying on each other more than ever right now. Yeah, yeah, that is super true. And actually, that's funny you mentioned that because previously, like before these set of eclipses and Sagittarius and Gemini came up, I was thinking, oh, I'm so excited to travel then. <laughs> like, that'll be great. <laughs> um, oh, my God. Sagittarius and Gemini do have themes of travel. And so it was just funny because we didn't necessarily travel as much because we love to travel. That's like where we spend our money, like not on things, on travel. And um, this past year, we didn't really get to travel abroad, but we did get to, we did travel. Like that was a kind of a theme that was brought up for us. Even so, like we went on a trip for two weeks, camper vanning on the Pacific Northwest. And we, you know, just like traveled within the United States, which was really fun. Well, that's what's important to note is because it's the south nodes in Sagittarius and the north nodes in Gemini. So it's moving away from Sagittarius foreign travel, being connected to like the whole world and moving in the direction of Gemini north node, which is like immediate surroundings. Who are your neighbors? How can I get more connected with people who are just like right there in my life and like making shorter trips? So that's why foreign travel has been like restricted. Um, this is kind of random, but it's important to note, like, the eclipses, it hasn't been, even though Sag and Gemini eclipses happened in, last happened in um, 2011, 2012, they haven't been, like, North Node in Gemini, South Node in Sag since 2001. Um, 19 so, years ago, yeah. <laughs> yeah, because it takes 19 years to return to, like, the exact same position, um, but if we look back at 2001, like 9-11, people were scared to travel abroad and like have foreign experiences after that. So it's kind of the same with COVID. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point to bring up too. Um, and yeah, just like what you said, Alice ranked so true to me because we also part of moving to Colorado was to be closer to hiking and to things like a community of people that have similar interests and like being able to be so close to the mountains, which is something we usually had to like make a whole trip to like travel there to the mountains. Whereas now it's like, you know, right outside our door. Mm -hmm. That's yeah. And I feel like it is important to know like what just general signs the nodes are in like Gemini and Sag, like we talked about themes of like, um, I don't know, maybe with the North Node and Gemini being more adaptable to change and getting to know new people, venturing out of like your usual neighborhood. 
um, to form new connections and also like picking up learning, like, um, really picking up new skills that are really practical. And also like with the South node and Sag releasing yourself from like stubborn past beliefs you've held or like opinions that just like aren't working for you anymore. Mm, Yes. And also like, um, you touched on education. I think it's really interesting as well because I had, in November 2020, there was a lunar eclipse that happened on my ascendant, and that's when I quit my job that I was doing full-time um, teaching in early education, and Gemini actually is associated with early childhood education. Oh my god, that's crazy. That's like yeah. really getting like next level yeah. <laughs> interpretation. Um, but it's so specific, like weirdly specific, and um, so yeah, that was insane. Yeah. And like, so I guess it's cool to compare like where the signs, the eclipses last were happening, where they're going next. Like, so 2019 and 2020, they were predominantly in Cancer and Capricorn up until the end of 2020 when they shift to Gemini and Sag. Um, But like with the South Node and Capricorn, it was a lot about like moving away from government structures and like um, ways of like going about the workday and stuff like that, that just weren't being successful anymore. And I guess with the North node and cancer looking at like ways you can like nourish yourself more and like be more nurturing and have like fostering the relationships in your life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I definitely saw a lot of those themes being brought up for myself and a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And like they'll move to the I mean, more so in 2022, they're going to shift over to Taurus Scorpio. So I definitely feel like it'll be bigger themes that have to do with money and finance. And also, um, I feel like we're already seeing that kind of with like Bitcoin stuff. Um, And then also like what you value like in your relationships, like what it's it's just all going to be about like personal values, I feel like. Yes. And I like also valuing yourself too more and really like those intimate partnerships. I feel like with Scorpio and Taurus, that's such a theme of like maybe viewing your relationships and seeing more commitment within them. Or if it's not aligned, maybe seeking something that allows you to grow more, have similar values. Yeah. Like bigger, like transformation of, and like letting go of stuff that just like feels not right. Yeah. Um, And so just to clarify, if you're listening about like wondering, like all of, there's so many different factors into that come into play with eclipses everyone will be affected by these eclipses but to varying degrees so if you have a lot of like energy like a lot of planets in Gemini and Sagittarius right now you'll be feeling these eclipses more strongly um, and then also if you're associate if you're kind of like working in jobs that are associated with these signs or that's like an area of life that's highlighted for you. Like, for example, we mentioned Sagittarius and travel or Gemini and like communication. So just kind of like noting which eclipses might be more powerfully felt based on your birth chart, but also what areas of life are highlighted in your individual life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, I hope this hasn't been like too confusing. (laughs) (laughs) Um... But yeah, I guess I kind of wanted to have us give like further examples to illustrate like exactly how eclipses can show up in your life over a period of two years, 
a year and a half to two years in one particular sign and how they can like give a ton of shakeups in that area of your life. Um, cause it's often like there's, there's usually like about three rounds, three to four rounds of eclipses in a set of signs. So like the cancer Capricorns really got going in like January of 2019. They continued in July of 2019 then the there was another set in December 2020 and sorry December 2019 and January 2020 and then the final set was end of June 2020 and July of 2020 so that's like four different periods where there may have been a progression of events happen between like the Cancer house in your chart and the Capricorn house in your chart and also there's definitely when you first feel the eclipses maybe you haven't felt shake up in that area of life for a while and so it's kind of like comes at you out of the blue or it feels just like really more intense when you're making these changes in your life and then as the next set of eclipses come it's kind of like refining that area of your life like finding coping skills for example and making changes and then the last set of eclipses are kind of like bringing it home and like tying up loose ends and until the next eclipses and a new sign come your way and bring new energy yeah that's a good way of putting it um so for example like the I would say the ones I remember like the most strongly in recent past are the Leo Aquarius eclipses just because that's those two signs are so big in my chart like I have a Leo rising (laughs) and then opposite I have sun and Aquarius and that's sun is the ruler of my chart too um So those Leo Aquarius eclipses started up February of 2017. They continued through August of 2017, late January and February of 2018, late July, August of 2018. And then the final one was late January of 2019. So that was like two year coming full circle with Leo Aquarius themes in your chart. Um, For me, like having that initial February 2017 Leo lunar eclipse, that was right when I moved to New York. I was desperately looking for jobs and I happened to get like the, the dream job that I wanted at Vogue working as a fashion assistant the day that lunar eclipse in Leo happened on my Leo rising which is crazy like that it could literally that's what I'm talking about like lunar eclipses bringing up like immediate results like I immediately found out I got that job and then I guess that job carried on for two years um but at peak period so like it would the following set of eclipses in August of 2017 I started to feel like not content at that job but kind of felt lost, was spending like a ton of time alone, felt really isolated, didn't really know what my next step in life would be. Then by the following six months, six months later, the following set of eclipses in late January, 2018, early February, 2018, um, I was starting to study astrology and becoming really obsessed with it. So that was another major change and like development of personal interests with those like first house eclipses. Um, and then by August, late July, August of 2018, I had started my own astrology business, was getting that off the ground. And by the final lunar eclipse in Leo, January 21st, I think was the date, um, 2019, I was giving my notice and quitting my job to become an astrologer. So I love that. It's kind of like a continuation of themes. It's like, I thought I, 
it was like I had that major event at the first lunar eclipse in Leo in my first house. And then by the final one, I was setting off in a completely different life direction. But like throughout it all, it was like very important realizations about myself and like my identity and what my interests were. So that was very much like first house themes repeated over a two year cycle. Oh, that's so interesting. And Alice, I I love how, like you said at first, the first eclipses brought like what you thought you wanted, right? Mm -hmm. And then like by the end, especially with that last eclipse, that's crazy because January 21st, 2019, that was the lunar eclipse at zero degrees in Leo, which is more significant. Oh, whoa. I didn't know it was, it must have been zero. Yeah. Cause that's like the first day of Aquarius season. Yeah. And literally like the exact first degree of your first house. So super significant and definitely brought you probably more confidence to like quit that day. Yeah. Those were like insane eclipses. Um, but yeah, that just goes to show like seeing a cycle of events take place, but like, I want to look at those same eclipses, Leo and Aquarius, but in your chart, because Mm -hmm. you don't have Leo rising, you don't have an Aquarius sun. So I want to see how it like plays out for someone where they have those areas in their chart, but not like super strongly like I did. Yeah. Okay. So my Leo Aquarius are my third and ninth house. So they're not, I mean, I guess they're not like first, seventh, fourth, tenth, which are usually stronger, but I do have my midheaven in Aquarius and Leo is my IC. So like those themes of career and family are highlighted as well. Yeah. And you had, you definitely like started your job around, didn't you start your job in like the August, July, August, 2017 eclipses? Yeah, this is crazy. So I actually, when I got my job actually. It was like randomly when I, so backing it up, basically when I started teaching at this most recent past job, um, I had a lunar eclipse that happened like literally within one day of getting that job that happened exactly on my midheaven. <laughs> That's insane. Yeah. So your midheaven has to do with career. So then I literally got a job that I had been working, um, like I went to school for stuff pertaining to it and it was like that culmination um so it definitely brought up themes related to career for me but also um this is kind of on a sad note but I had a whole bunch of people who I loved in my family and like close friends and such pass away um over Mm. those eclipses and so that's like obviously if you're listening not to be afraid of that but the IC line does have to do with family and the midheaven is a really spiritual significant point too and I think it's cool that Aquarius has to do with angels um from my spiritual perspective so um yeah there was a lot of I made a lot of angels during that time I guess is a way of putting it that's like very important to note that like fourth house eclipses or I eclipses on the IC Mm -hmm. line if it you're using whole sign and it's not in the fourth house um always bring up family changes and sometimes those can be sad like losing people or they can be like maybe it's like your sister's having a baby and you're or you're having a baby and like welcoming like someone new into the family or maybe your relationship with your parents is evolving and you're seeing them in a new light or you're physically moving homes so 
Yeah, definitely fourth house. And you moved too. In addition to like having family changes, you moved apartments. (laughs) Like twice. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of move, a lot of things with family. I also, before my my grandpa passed away, I did get like way closer with him um, even than I had been. So I feel like that was also a focus on family and what was important for me. Um, And I also was writing a book for him about his, he was in World War II as a soldier. So it was like literally getting in touch with my roots and understanding my grandfather's experiences and I felt such a deeper connection so it was a really positive um positive eclipses for that and that actually happened close to when it was an eclipse in Leo in my near my IC line so that was crazy Mm -hmm. like feeling very connected with family also during that time period I feel like I got I was so lucky that I got really close to Nick's family even more. And so it was kind of like gaining more family in that sense. I cannot wait for the eclipses to turn back to Leo and Aquarius. (laughs) I'm like counting down. It's not going to happen until 2027, but like I'm ready. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm hoping hoping it'll be more positive eclipses in that sense um, for me. But yeah, that'll be that'll be exciting. Um, I want to switch gears and maybe give like another house example before we move on to like eclipses on planets. Mm -hmm. Um, so that those two examples just go to show like how eclipses that happened in the same signs in that case, it was Leo and Aquarius from 2017 to 2019 showed different life developments for each of us, depending on where it was in our charts. Um, from there, the eclipses moved on to cancer and Capricorn starting up the rest of 2019 going through and going through pretty much all of 2020 or finishing up in July of 2020. Sorry. Um, so those highlighted like the six and 12th house of my chart. So coming off of like making these really important realizations about myself and what direction I needed to go in, they immediately went towards having job change and really, um, focusing on doing my routine differently every day with the six house eclipses in Capricorn. And also finding deeper meaning in my work. So that meant like actually having a job that was like more spiritual, like astrology, where it was actively helping people. So a lot of the time when the eclipses kind of shift to 6th and 12th, there's themes of like, is this daily routine and my job stressing me out way too much? How can I find a better work-life balance? And how can I have a job that like speaks to me on a deeper level? Um And then with the 12th house eclipses as well, feeling, I guess, just more alone. Like I definitely took time outside of social activities. I was like working for myself for the first time ever. So it wasn't like there was no longer this office community where I got to socialize with people every day. I felt very like alone in my apartment, yeah, like doing my work. Um, And I also was facing kind of like patterns that had kept coming up in my life and finally, like, moving past that, um, like, I would say, like, learning how to, I don't know, get rid of, like, I'm trying to think of the best way to say this. Like, kind of, like, noticing things c- coming up, like, patterns of where you're getting in your own way. Exactly. Like, noticing ways I was working against myself by, like, not letting people know how I felt about them and then having them... I don't know. It was like I was noticing how I was getting frustrated about things people were doing in my life when I had to realize like I had the capacity to change that and like I could move past like these like patterns and conditioning I had had my whole life towards that. 
Oh, I love that. That's such a good reflection on 12th house eclipses and also a good example of how you have natally Mars in the 12th. So like even more themes coming up surrounding like asserting yourself more or like, you know, taking more control over your actions and other people, how they're treating you. Yeah, definitely. And those themes kept coming up at work over and over again the entire time eclipses were in 6th and 12th. It was a lot about... um setting boundaries with how much I needed to get paid at work, how much I deserve to be treated and like really getting past like Im- feelings of imposter syndrome and like, I don't deserve to have these opportunities or be paid that much money. Yeah. Um, so that again, 12th house themes of like moving past mental blockages almost. Mm, that's so interesting. Yeah. That's a good reflection on the 12th house too. Cause I feel like that is one that people are kind of confused about, or like honestly sometimes are afraid of because the 12th house can be associated with so much like loneliness, like you mentioned, or darkness. Mm-hmm. I would say also like mental and physical health is a big six 12th house eclipse theme. Oh, yeah. So like, I started working out for the first time since like elementary school. I thought it was, <laughs> I used to think it was cool to be like, I don't work out. And finally those eclipses happened and I was like, okay, I really need to take care of my body. And I started doing, it wasn't just like working. The thing about six and 12th is like finding a blend between like your mental health and your physical. So it wasn't like right. doing intense exercise to just burn calories. It was like exercise that felt like very good for my whole body and was like calming like yoga or Pilates, something just more, like, less stress on the body. Oh, and you got into meditation then too, didn't you? Yes. Also, 12th house eclipse, I started meditating every single day, which is something I still do. And also something I'd recommend if you do have eclipses in the 12th. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a good point. Um, And then for mine, um, I guess, like, just to differentiate a little bit, I noticed when I had those Capricorn Cancer eclipses, they were in my second house of work, and then my eighth house, which has a lot more to do with, like, self-transformation and healing. Um, so those themes played out so big um, throughout that whole time, and I had started to kind of, like, be interested in astrology. I feel like with those eclipses in Aquarius, like just mildly. But then once literally the first eclipse hit, um, which opposed exactly like my Neptune and Uranus, that was when I got super into astrology. I got super into healing and like really learning about my own psychology and that of others, like what motivated people. Um, Just so much more self-awareness and, and yeah, that makes (laughs) that makes so much sense I don't know if I ever put that together with your chart before but oftentimes like those cancer eclipses in your second house that were happening you turned a hobby into your own business where you had control over your own money Mm -hmm. in addition to working a full-time job so oftentimes when I see a client and they're having second eighth eclipses I'm like have you ever thought of like is there some kind of hobby you want to make money off of or have you ever ever thought of working for yourself somehow because that will often be a theme when eclipses hit the second and eighth houses. Also, yeah, that's so true. And that is exactly what happened for me. I think it's interesting that when that happened, it wasn't, it went from being like something I was interested in to being an obsession, which is so eighth house themed. (laughs) Um, Yeah, that is true. Like literally, so full-time job, like working with children, I would wake up at 5 a.m., 
literally to read astrology books. <laughs> like, oh my god. Nick was not even surprised, but like that is what I did for like really honestly like an obsessive quality to learning more in depth about like I needed to know everything. It wasn't good enough to kind of know about it. Like I really was a perfectionist when it came to that. Mm-hmm. And you also probably like had your attitude change towards money and stuff, maybe because you were like making it on your own time, I guess. Yeah. Um I feel like a second eighth house eclipse theme is also like, what do I value? What's worth spending money on? How can I maybe budget better? Oh my gosh. Yeah, Alice. So during that time, I really started to get more comfortable with money. I feel like I had so many conditioned beliefs surrounding it. And at that time, I really noticed like money is energy and like, where am I investing my energy and what, mm-hmm. what am I willing to pay pay for and who do I want to support with my money? So like investing more in like businesses that were like, I don't know, small businesses or female owned or, you know, like basically giving back to like really being mindful of where I was spending my money and spending it with intention to support people. I love that. Okay, let's, I feel like this is getting a little long. <laughs> we can um, talk about this all day. Yeah, I could literally go through every house and every single life event and tie it into how an eclipse is happening. Yes. But let's give examples of maybe like if an eclipse falls on like a planet. Um, like, so for instance, right. if you have like a moon or a Venus in Sagittarius or Gemini, maybe right now, you're going to feel that a lot more. What would you say with those? Okay, so the best example (laughs) I would say is like if you have an eclipse fall on Venus or the moon, Alice and I see a lot of relationships starting. That was actually true for me. Um, Literally like such a good example with me and Nick when we got together, there was a solar eclipse involving Venus on my natal moon. So if you have an eclipse falling on your natal Venus or natal moon, or even in the sign of your natal moon or Venus, just to be mindful maybe of putting yourself out there more or like directing that energy in a way that you want surrounding love Mm -hmm. or even self-love. And an eclipse on the moon can be similar to like an eclipse on the IC or in the fourth Mm -hmm. house, whereas like you're undergoing a move, things with your family or particularly, particularly with your mom could come into play. So family, home, and mom changes with an eclipse on the moon. And also just getting more in touch with your femininity, I would add to the moon. Mm -hmm. And then if you had it on something like the sun or the Mars, like when I had it on Mars, it was a lot about learning how to stand up for myself and assert myself more. Um, And then with it on the sun, it was a lot about identity, like who am I, how I thought of myself. Also unlocking maybe traits associated with your sun sign. So going back to a way earlier episode when we were like, some people don't fully like grow into maybe their sun sign traits until later and maybe why you're not resonating with your horoscope or like what you see about astrology memes. I feel like (laughs) often when there's an eclipse on the sun, it unlocks more of those traits of your sun sign and maybe you start to grow into that more. That is so accurate. When I had an eclipse on my sun, it was like, really stepping back and being like oh I that was when I start started to first love myself like fully I really believe that me too that's when I started to become comfortable doing things alone like yes. for some reason I had this ingrained like I couldn't go for a walk in the park alone I had to have like a plan with a friend to do something like that mm, I love that um and then I think we already touched on houses we already touched on some planets I would say another important thing is when, so 
in your birth chart, you do have like a North node and a South node represented by like the horseshoe looking symbols. Um, there are key ages when the transit North and South node. So when the eclipse cycle returns to the place it was when you were born, um, and that's called a nodal return or a reverse nodal return when the North nodes in the sign opposite of your natal North node and vice versa. Um, so yeah, key periods for that would be like at age 19, that's when you get like the first full nodal return. So I feel like that's often a huge turning point year for most people where it's like kind of, you're going off to college and there's a need to go in like a different life direction or really figure out who you are at that point, um, which lines up with the full nodal return. And then the next major one would be around age 27, 28, the reverse nodal return, which is when you're like maybe making peace with your past up until that point and moving on in a different direction. And again, that all is a lead up to the Saturn return in the late twenties. So there's just so much going on at that age of like 27, 28. Yeah. And so Alice, right now you're going through your reverse nodal return. Yeah, I am. So I feel like maybe even more so I'm noticing the like fifth, 11th house eclipses of like, how can I, I don't know, how can I really tap into my creativity more? How can I align myself better with people I want in my life? Yeah. And I also feel like it's a time when like habits or what you prefer, maybe even assumptions about life or yourself, like you kind of have to confront those and it's like letting go of things that have been blocking you. Yeah, and kind of coming into just like more maturity. I really do feel like it's just like a setup for the Saturn return. Totally. I love that. Okay, so that's a really important thing to note. So if your eclipses fall in line, like your natal eclipses fall in line with the eclipses happening. Yeah, and so that will happen in like increments of nine, about nine to nine and a half years. So I like I mentioned 19, 27, 28, then the next ones would be like around 36, 37, 43, 44, and so on and so forth. So those are key ages to look out for when there might be kind of almost a change in direction or like new, I don't know, new sense of yourself come up. Yes, I love that. Um, But yeah, I think that is everything we wanted to get to. I love talking. I love that we chose to talk about eclipses because I think that it's something that is sounds so confusing and it doesn't have to be like they're so important and Um, just knowing about them can really help you to harness the energy available to you. Yeah. And just like I said at the beginning of the episode, like eclipses are so key to look at when noticing what is going to happen to you like more majorly in one specific year. So like if someone comes to me and they're like, am I going to have a job change? I'll be like, is an eclipse happening in a workhouse? Mm -hmm. If not, probably not bigger work changes happening that year that's just one example right like eclipses are key in predictive astrology so mm-hmm. yeah um okay and then we have some q a questions so these are not related to eclipses but um yeah let's dive into it the first question is when neptune is conjunct your natal venus is this a positive time for a new relationship alice <laughs> I would say yes, because I have this right now. Mm -hmm. Anyone that has a Pisces Venus at around, I would say like 20 to 23 degrees of Pisces is getting this conjunction at the moment over the next year or two. Um, I do feel like though when Neptune is opposite Venus, square Venus or conjunct Venus, 
it often results in like falling in love or feeling like you're like living in this fairy tale where everything like seems like amazing in your love life, like almost like too good to be true. Um, it could be another story when Neptune moves away from Venus. Maybe there's like more facing the harsh reality of like, this is what the everyday life looks like in this relationship where it's not so much a fairy tale, but for the most part, I associate Neptune conjuncting Venus as like good and positive. Yeah, definitely. And also looking at like trines, I feel like in sextiles for when Neptune is like aspecting your Venus, because those can be a little less, I don't know. I don't want to say deceiving because I think obviously it's an awesome time to fall in love when you feel like so romantic and stuff. But um, the trines are a little easier. Yeah, that's like the flip side of Neptune contacting Venus. Like sometimes it could be like there's a lot of confusion surrounding a relationship. Like maybe if you've been in a relationship for a few years already and that conjunction comes up, um, there could just be like a what's going on here? Am I satisfied? It's Neptune can kind of go both ways in that in that way. Yeah, exactly. So it's not like, oh, you have Neptune there it's gonna like dissolve the relationship afterward it can just mean like maybe getting more in touch with those practical sides of relationships um that are maybe less romantic I guess as Alice had said Mm -hmm. okay second question have Virgo risings had a difficult relationship transit for the past 10 years with Pluto what does that mean when does it end um I would say no like Short there's no way no. <laughs> there's no way like an entire rising sign can have a difficult relationship for an entire decade I don't think Pluto has much to do with that I would note if you're a Virgo rising it's important to see the degree of your rising sign because Neptune has been going through Pisces since 2012 and it'll be there till 2026 so depending on when Neptune hits the same degree as your descendant line that could possibly be like a difficult time with relationships or somehow like confusion or not seeing a relationship clearly or there's a lot of disappointment um I would say that's the main thing Virgo risings have had going on in the past few years yeah and I also would add like Virgo risings your seventh house like Alice said is about like long-term relationships and I feel like since you already have Pisces on the cusp and Neptune is there it's kind of like maybe maybe illuminates that even more like really having to learn where you stop and the other person begins or seeing that your partners clearly or you know like really standing up for yourself and not losing yourself in relationships that may have been a theme coming up but like but yeah that's never in astrology like you're doomed to have a relation you're not going to have one for like 10 years like so yeah that it- <laughs> usually has to do more so maybe with your unique birth chart rather than just being a Virgo rising right um I would say just to throw in one last thing Virgo risings have had maybe why love life hasn't been amazing the past few years is Saturn has been transiting through the fifth house in Capricorn through 2018 2019 and 2020 it's gone now but those three years maybe were a lot about loving yourself more and validating yourself rather than getting it from other people so oftentimes Saturn through the fifth brings up some challenges with dating and like really forces you to rely more heavily on yourself. Mm -hmm. Yes. I love that. And I think we just wanted to choose this question because I think in astrology, sometimes 
there'll be like these broad statements that you'll hear. And like Alice said, it's so important to look at your individual birth chart and know that you always have free will as well. And like, even if there's a negative transit, like more so in quotes, like there's always going to be something there for you to learn on or to expand on. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, so I guess that is all for today. Thank you guys for listening. Yes, thanks for listening and feel free also to, if you liked learning about eclipses and you're hungry for more, want to know about the specifics, what's coming up for you, um, you can go to the link in our show notes and if you want to get the eclipse workshop with us and learn more about what this means for you with the eclipses in Gemini and Sag. Yes, highly recommend that. Um, so we'll be excited to see you there or we'll be excited to welcome you as a Patreon member if you choose to do that. Yes, and for the <laughs> Q&A as well. So Yeah, um, so that's all for this week. Um, look forward to seeing you guys here next Sunday. Yes, happy eclipse season. Bye.